Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life, form kinship, and transform the world through undisturbed, mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community? Walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? Then our groundbreaking Radical Birth Keeper School is for you. It's an immersive and intensive, fast-paced live program in all things authentic midwifery and self-mastery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking Radical Birth brand and business. Think birth business mastermind, life-changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step-by-step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to themselves. Head over to RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com and grab your spot because we are enrolling now and we always sell out. Say yes to your calling and join us in this revolution of bringing birth back home. www.RadicalBirthKeeperSchool.com Emily, a graduate of the Radical Birthkeeper School, shares with us today her journey from maiden to mother. In Emily's pregnancy, she navigated loneliness, cutting off most of her family and friends to set boundaries to protect the energetic field of herself and her pregnancy. In this episode, we discuss the importance of the postpartum time, how she found a community of like-minded sisters in the Radical Birthkeeper School, and how she welcomed her son into the world with her husband as her sole witness. All right. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for this opportunity, Emily. Yeah. Double M's. (laughs) It's nice to have you here. You were in our RBK round and famously free birthed in the middle of of the program. So I'm excited to get to actually hear the full story. I got to you know, see you in the, in the afterglow over the screen, but yeah, just take me to the beginning. Who were you when you got pregnant? How did you 
hear about free birth? How did you align with it? Why did you choose it? Um, and what did that look like for you in your pregnancy? So I think when the free birth seed got planted in my head was when my brother-in-law, Luke Story, interviewed Yolanda. And when the episode came out, he was like, hey, check this out, listen to this. And hearing that episode, it just blew my mind. And at that time, I was in LA and I already knew I wanted to have a home birth. I just wanted to. And, but I was even more blown away that I could just do this on my own without even anyone, a doula or a midwife. And so that seed got planted. And so that same month when the episode got released, Cody, my husband and I left LA and bought a house in Idaho. So I could, you know, have a stress-free pregnancy in nature. So we moved, I took out my copper IUD and we were planning a conscious conception by the end of um, 2021 last year. I was keeping track of, you know, my ovulation and stuff like that. And I was eating really nourishing foods. And that month in September, I got pregnant and I took a pregnancy test because uh, Cody's friend came and we were going to trip on psilocybin. And during that time, I was like, I should see if I'm pregnant or not, you know, because I, I really didn't want to yeah, have be pregnant and, and trip. So I took the test and it came out positive. And Cody was like, well, just double check, take it again. So I took another one. And, and there's a picture of me where I wasn't surprised. I was just like, this is happening. Right. This is, Shock. this is, yeah, this is really happening. I guess I'm not going to trip tonight on psilocybin. <laughs> And so you'll just trip on being pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I purchased the complete guide to free birth shortly after because I really wanted to, you know, educate myself and I love processes. So I wanted to learn the physiological process. So it was a godsend. And I was so enthusiastic to share with my friends and family that I wanted to free birth. And I had no idea that it was going to be so triggering Hmm. and that I was going to get the reaction I got. And every single one of them, they were resisting it. Damn. And they right away talked about, you know, horror stories because there are no good stories, I guess, that, that they've heard. And I, when I told my mom, she was more concerned with, you know, well, why don't you go see a doctor right now? And so I had a wild pregnancy. I had no intention of going to see the doctor. And I feel like that's just always kind of been a thing for me. I've never really, you know, even having a headache, I never even wanted to take Tylenol. I just kind of ride it out. And I never really relied on going to see the doctor and stuff like that. Cause I knew, I knew that I'm healthy. Like I eat such good food and, you know, we're living in a great environment now. And so I was totally confident that whatever was happening was happening. So how was your partner's response? Was he on board with you or was there resistance? No, I'm so grateful that we're on the same page with everything. We just believe in, you know, the biological and evolutionary approach to living. And yeah, he was totally on board and he actually was watching a lot of the videos too. And what's funny is, at that time, well, before I got pregnant, I was asking, you know, 
people in town, oh, like, do you know of any midwives or doulas? And they're like, no, nobody lives here. I mean, there's some that are two hours away. Mm-hmm. And so I got some phone numbers and this was before I took the module where it talks about, you know, having an undisturbed birth. And so I didn't feel a calling to even call them yet. I like saving money too. So having to pay for someone to, to help me do all this didn't sound, I don't know, it didn't resonate with me. And so after taking one of the modules and, you know, it explaining that having an undisturbed birth is how to optimally have a peaceful and blissful birth was essential. And so for me, my motivation to have a free birth was more like, if I can maximize having, you know, a good looking baby, like, you know, nothing messing up the process, messing up my baby coming out or anything, and him just being really peaceful and not being traumatized, like, why not? Of course, I'm going to do that for him. I'm going to go all in for that. And so that was the big motivator for Mm. me. So what was it like to come to those realizations and then have all the other people besides your partner like fundamentally disagree it was so hard it led to a lot of um, boundaries and disconnection I felt so frustrated and I was even pushing off telling my sister about it she's a nurse and I know she's totally indoctrinated Mm. in that stuff. And when I share, I decided to share with her that I was pregnant. And the first thing she asked was, so do you have a OB? And I was like, it is the weird first question, huh? Yeah. Not like, how are you feeling? How are you? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I said, no, I haven't, I haven't seen one. And, you know, I was telling her that I was drinking raw milk and kombucha and she just totally, it like flipped her out. And she was just saying, you know, you can read all the hippy dippy books you want, but you really need to go see a doctor. Fuck you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can't with that. Oh my God. That makes me sad. It's just so, it's so rude. It's just so rude. It's just not how you treat women. Mm-mm. yeah Ugh. okay so what do you do are you like ew gross like what how do you even respond to that well I feel like being the baby sister I've just been so used to just saying just kind of being showing indifference like okay uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know just listening not really reacting because I don't want to cause conflict And you even said, you know, you really should go get an ultrasound because my friend had one and her baby's stomach was small. And so she had to get induced. So you should go get checked in case. They're like, they're just like little puppets. It's like these mm -hmm. little scripts. Ugh. Okay. And so I got off the phone with her and just bawled out crying. And I was telling Cody, like, I don't feel good. That conversation with my sister didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so I had to set a boundary and I blocked her because I didn't want to hear from her. And that was really hard. And even with my mom, she, every time I called her, you know, just wanted to share, you know, baby's kicking and all this stuff. She was just like, you really should go get a blood test. You should go do these things. And so I stopped calling her. Totally. I, I couldn't share the joys of pregnancy with my mom. 
sucks. And with my, my in-laws, that was even bigger, you know, that we wanted a free birth, that I wanted a free birth. And you know, Cody's dad ends up, you know, sending us articles and just saying, well, what if you have a breech baby? What if you have placenta previa? What if you hemorrhage, right? The typical. <laughs> what if you got out of my business? Yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised that my in-laws could even think that me, not even really their daughter, that I would even care. <laughs> you know? Did you know any women who home birthed? Nope. Damn. I did not know any women who home birthed. And even my close friends, they've never been pregnant. So they didn't even understand much about birth. And mm-hmm. so I, I shared it with my best friend and I felt like I had to prove, you know, that, that what I was doing, like, I was like sending her like, here's a stack of books I'm reading. I felt like I had to do that. Cause she wasn't like, Oh my God, that's amazing. She was like, okay, as long as you're safe, as long as you and your baby are safe, you know? And so, <sighs> and I told another friend and she was just like, are you sure you want to do that? I just feel like you and Cody are going to be overwhelmed. And she's never given birth, you know? And I was like, okay. So I just had to disconnect myself from my friends and family. And But uh, you never wavered. Like, it sounds like you just totally had clarity. I, I knew it. I, there was no way. And I, there was wow. no way to compromise. And even Cody's dad was like, why don't you just, can you still just have a natural birth in the hospital while everyone's standing by in case? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so stupid. Could you guys learn anything? You know, even in the zoo, they know to leave the birthing animal alone, you know, but no one does that to the human woman. Yeah. So it was quite, it was a lot of spiritual, Mm -hmm. like, you know, diving deep. And and I I really wanted to protect my energetic force field. And that's why I had to disconnect myself from all the negativity. Thank God your partner was, was cool. Yeah. Because it's like you can stand in a lot of strength, particularly with your guy at your back. I mean, that's so helpful. Women do it even without that, too, but it's hard. Yeah. He was definitely my first line of of defense. Yeah, totally. Okay. Wow. So then, yeah. So then you joined the RBK school. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. (laughs) I was so happy about it. I, I just wanted sisterhood. I wanted like-minded women and it was a godsend because that's what I found in it. Yeah. I'm so happy about that. And it was fun just to be pregnant while the school was happening and, you know, meeting other pregnant women and moms. So now I'm in that community because I didn't have that at all before. Okay. And so what else do you want to share about your pregnancy? Well, it was a wild one and it just went really smooth. I made sure, you know, I got a lot of walks every day and I just ate nourishing foods and I felt good for the most part. And what about this kind of cutting off of friends and and family? I mean, if you're already living in Idaho, kind of away from everybody, I don't know. I just, it just feels, it sounds kind of lonely to be going through such a huge rite of passage transformation yeah anything more about that just like the work of pregnancy that you want to share 
yeah, I felt very alone and I feel like I really had to, I had to think about what was important for me and my baby. Cause even talking to my family, I could feel the stress and I knew I didn't even want my baby to feel that. So I felt very in tuned with my baby and yeah, I just really had to protect that for both of us and, and for the whole family, the whole family unit. And then after he was born, did you welcome them all back in? Like, it, it, does it feel mended now or? I had to keep an arm's distance still, definitely, from, from family. I didn't even want anyone to, to visit. I wanted to give myself even like 60 days until anyone came because I didn't want anyone's energy to, well, one, tell me what to do, how to raise my baby. And yeah, I was still very hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Because on the one hand, once you've done it and you've gotten the baby here, I think a lot of family relaxes and can even shift into celebrating. But the work or or the like the tone of just how condescending, you know, all of that was, it doesn't like go away. Like the different you know, pediatrician and food and nursing, like they're going to have opinions on everything. And so that's tricky to, right. Figure out how to speak up. And, you know, I, I tell so many women like, yeah, if your family, if your friends like don't fucking respect you, then I don't really see how you can be in relationship with them because this is so revealing. It's so hurtful and it's so revealing. And it's like, either they get in line or they don't get access to this mm-hmm. whole, you know, new part of their family, which is nuts. Yeah. So how has that been for you? Well, it feels like everything kind of got brushed under the rug. Once he was born, okay. there was no apologies. Like even from my sister, it was just like, I'm so happy for you. And yeah, I've, I've learned to let that go but still kind of protect my force field unfortunately I can't completely be vulnerable now in that sense have you ever actually like aired it out with any of them no it was kind of just like well what do you think now are you relieved now can you go to bed now you know it wasn't yeah (laughs) that was pretty much it So anything else you want to share about your pregnancy before we move into your birth story? I'm just so happy that it was very easeful. Yeah, I felt I felt good in my body. And and I find that, you know, even though what happened with my family, it really helped me to strengthen myself spiritually and mentally Mm -hmm. and set boundaries, too, for myself, which I've never done in my entire Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Becoming a mother will do that, right? Mm hmm. So like, what did you trip on? What was scary? What was hard? What was the, what was the like, what if stuff, you know, if anything, was it just like total pure confidence or was there, you know, like shit you had to work out to really get yourself (laughs) in the zone to do, to do this, to have a free birth? I had complete confidence. I did not doubt 
my body's capabilities and my baby's capabilities just because I've just been healthy my entire life mm-hmm. and Cody has been too. So I, I didn't doubt anything at all. I just love challenges in a sense. Like I've hiked tall mountains and I've done pilgrimages alone in Japan. And I just feel like it's just within me. Love that. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, tell us your story. When does it well, all start? So it started Thursday morning when I had your self-mastery class. <laughs> I woke up sure early. Yeah. I actually woke up extra early to make pancakes. I was so hungry and I was hoping to make it to your class actually, but I didn't. I go back to sleep because I felt so exhausted and I didn't know why. And I muster up the energy to go to Yolanda's breakout session, but I was just completely out of it. And I was kind of just staring into the screen. I couldn't even share anything. And <laughs> so that night going to bed, my waters break. It's funny because I guess the only thing it was kind of like, what is this all going to feel like when it happens? That was what was wondering, like going on in my head and my waters break. And I'm like, what does this mean? And then I stand up and then, you know, I get three more gushes and it's going down my leg. And I'm even like on the toilet, on my phone, looking at the complete guide to free birth, like water's breaking. Now what? (laughs) Oh, there was a pink tinge in my water and uh, in the fluid. And I I was like, what does this mean? Because I just want to know, you know, the process. I go back to bed and I get like a mild cramp. And I'm like, oh, is this a sensation? This must be a sensation. And then it kind of goes away and I'm able to go to bed. And then I don't get any more sensations. Then the next morning rolls around, which is we do case studies. You're on there with Yolanda and we're doing case studies on uh, different births. And my waters are just continuing to drip down my leg. Hmm. And like I'm messaging, you know, my classmates on Zoom like, hey, like I think this is happening right now. Water is currently leaking. I still felt good energetically. And I, at that time on Friday, I give Cody the list of things to do, like deep clean the bedroom, the bathroom, here are all the things I want you to get to stock the fridge up. And so he does all of that. Nighttime rolls around and I'm making coleslaw and then I feel a more intense sensation to the point where I have to, I had to like take a break on the counter, you know, at this point you know, hearing all the stories on the Free Birth Society podcast, we know that waters can be open for days. So I didn't want to have any kind of expectation. So both Cody and I were like, you know, expect this to go on to be like a five to six day journey. Mm -hmm. And so that was what we did. I end up playing some music, some like Krishna Das. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be the kind of women to want music and all this stuff but I go onto the toilet to pee while the music is playing and the sensations get even more intense and I even had to stop mid-pee to turn off the music because I couldn't handle any sounds and yeah Cody sets up all around the bed like workout pads in case I wanted to kneel and so that night I go to bed and I can't even fall asleep because I really start to feel the sensations And I try to change positions, kneeling on the workout mats with my forearms on the bed 
And this whole time for me in terms of position and what, what comforted me the most or what made me comfortable was um, being in a reclined position. So I even blew up the, the big stability ball thinking I would be able to roll on it, but that didn't feel good at all. And so, yeah, that's happening all of Friday night and I don't get any sleep and the sun comes up and I'm like, thank God another day has gone by, you know, and I still don't know how long this is all is going to last. And Saturday morning rolls around and I still feel the sensations. And of course, I'm not timing it or anything. I'm just going with it. And the whole time I'm saying, I can do this. I can do this out loud because I know women have done it. So that was, that was my mantra. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And even before all this, I visualized having a water birth. And after hearing one of one of the modules <laughs> talking about water births, it sounded kind of complicated. And our bedroom is upstairs. And that's where I would have wanted to give birth and having a tub up there with a long enough hose. It just sounded complicated. And it's not like I'm a crazy water person. I have really dry skin. So <laughs> I was happy to want to do a land birth. But I took one of our classmates advice, Felicity, And she said, you know, if you don't have a tub, you can just always take a hot shower. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I went into the shower hoping like the sensations would stop for some reason. But uh, they definitely came back. But it was nice to just change the environment up. So after I took a shower, I went downstairs, laid on the couch. And actually that night, Friday night, I actually purged. I puked all of the pulled pork and coleslaw. And yeah. (laughs) Hearing, nice. <laughs> hearing, hearing stories on some women having diarrhea or vomit, I was hoping I wouldn't have either. But um, yeah, I did end up vomiting. And so, yeah, the next morning, I actually vomit again. And Cody's concern actually was like, me not being able to keep my fluids down. And but during this time happened till like you're puking 25, 30 times. Mm, you know? Okay. Like, couple pukes just for anyone listening no big deal yeah yeah that's good to know yeah and I was very on top of you know drinking my electrolytes and drinking my water I had it like right there and so I'm laying on the couch and Yolanda messages me and she's like how are you feeling and I can't even like text on my phone and I just like give a voice message and I'm just like I'm in pain I can't (laughs) talk right now And what I was fascinated with this whole thing while that was happening was Cody recorded me actually. And I was just making these like really weird faces to cope Mm -hmm. with the sensations. And I had to breathe differently every time I felt a different kind of sensation. So yeah, that's what helped me get through it. And I couldn't stand any kind of noise, even the faucet turning on. I was just like, I need silence to focus on my body. And so, yeah, I'm I'm on the couch and there's a point where I actually say, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it was more in terms of not that like, I can't do this. I want to go to the hospital and transfer. It was more like, I can't do this in in the agony Mm -hmm. that I was feeling and and Cody was just comforting me. He was totally my, he was like my complete rock. And at that time, you know, before it all started, I wasn't sure if I was just going to want to be alone in the bathroom, but it was so important for me that he was there 
like just sitting next to me and me squeezing his hand. And he was like, you can do this. Do you remember when you did these hikes and you made it through and the marathons you ran and the pain you've endured? But yeah, that really helped me. And so this is 9 a.m. where I'm on the couch. I haven't had any sleep. And so I decide to go upstairs and I feel like I have to poop. Mm. And Cody actually says, you know what? Why don't you take a nap? Because in all the stories I've heard, you know, a lot of women end up like taking a little nap on the couch, right? And resting. And so he's like, why don't you just go to sleep? Try to. And I say, okay, I'll do that. So I'm laying in bed in a reclined position and I'm actually able to knock out in and out of sleep. And that was probably for like an hour. And I wake up and suddenly I try to go to my side and I feel a shift in, in contractions, like 10 times the intensity. And I'm like, Ooh, like, what does this mean? I still feel like I have to poo. And then I get up. And so this whole time I'm naked and I see like I'm spotting. Mm. And so I wasn't concerned like, oh, like, is this bad? It was kind of like, does this mean I'm close? So I call Yolanda and I'm on the toilet and I tell her that I feel like I have to poop and I'm spotting. And what does this mean? And she said, everything sounds completely fine and normal. Spotting can happen. And then I asked her the big question and I said, how long is this going to last? And she says to me, oh, it could be two days. It could be two hours. And I'm like, all right. All right. So I end up not pooping. No poop comes out. But I feel this really deep pressure, you know, and and I've never attended birth at all, by the way. So I have no idea what really is happening in like a chronological order. And so after I leave the bathroom, Cody said something completely like shifted in me. Like it was like game on. And so I am kneeling on next to my bed with my forearms on, on the bed and these involuntary contractions or pushes are happening where I feel like my butthole and my vagina is just maximized, like pushing out and it's crazy because that time, every time it was happening, I would scream at the top of like my lungs. And I've never screamed in that way. It just came out. And even the dogs were coming upstairs wondering what was going on, like sound like someone was getting murdered or something. And the windows were closed. But Cody was getting hot because it was cold at that time. And so we had a wood burning oven. And so it was really heating up upstairs and I was fine. But he kept wanting to open the window and close it. And it's crazy because I even like felt self-conscious, like, are the neighbors going to hear me? So I was like, can you just keep the windows closed? Cause I didn't want to like, you know, like hold in my screen. And so this is going on for like 30 minutes and I have no idea what's happening. And we have poopy wipes in case poop is coming out. And I keep telling Cody to check, like what's happening. Am I pooping? And so while that was happening, I was thinking, wow, like, do I have this many? I've never taken ayahuasca, but I was like, is this all this, like the demons coming out of me with, you know, my screams? <laughs> and I say to myself, I need to break this cycle. Maybe if I stand up, all of this is going to stop. <laughs> so I muster up enough energy to stand up. And of course, 
it continues, the pushes, the involuntary pushes. And I'm standing and I'm leaning on Cody and I'm just screaming in his ears and leaning on him. And I just naturally want to touch down there. And so I touch my vagina and I feel a head, my baby's head. And I'm like to Cody, oh my God, is that the baby's head? And then he looks under and he's like, yeah. And it was suddenly like, oh my God, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ha- it's not five days, like it's happening right now. And so, you know, hearing all the stories, I know that there is no rush to like get baby out. So I'm just like breathing, you know, trying to get more energy back. And that time I'm, I'm telling Cody, like, I don't have enough energy to squat down. Like I, I need to, I have to stand. And he's like, it's fine. And so I decide to push and then I feel the ring of fire. And so I take another deep breath and then I push through the ring of fire. Cause I've heard if you feel it, you got to push through it. And then his head pops out. That was like the third push. And then I kind of just do another, another push while that was happening. Cody was saying that the head was retreating or my lips were covering, you mm-hmm. know, the baby's head and then coming out and then retreating a little more and then coming out more. And yeah, I do a final like fifth push and the baby comes out and Cody is kneeling and grabs it or, you know, catches it, fluid comes out and then hands it to me as I'm standing. It. And- <laughs> Sorry, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) That weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. And he doesn't cry immediately. He kind of, you know, takes a little pause and does like a wah, wah, wah sound. And I guess you could say my only concern was like, am I going to be able to tell if it's a male or female? I don't know. I just felt I have that problem in in your life. (laughs) I just would think I was just thinking that a baby's, you know, genitals would Uh just be so small. It would be hard to tell. (laughs) But that's how much I've never like been around newborns. And so I look like, (laughs) (laughs) so I look and I'm like, Cody, is this a boy? And he's like, yes, Emily, that's a boy. Don't you see? That's hilarious. You need like a side by side. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, it's baby Bjorn. Cause we already had names ready for if we had a boy or a girl. And I said, this is Bjorn. And yeah, I'm so the feeling I had when he came out, I felt it wasn't, it was very like focused, like, okay, this is happening. I'm going to check my umbilical cord and then, you know, see if it's pulsating and see like analyze him and I actually even though he cried I did the football hold because I heard gurgling Mm. and so I did the football hold and just tipped him over a little bit but I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do that because he was crying anyways but it was yeah but I did that and then yeah we're I'm just in total on at that moment everything was just filled with light and the room was warm and we just take a moment to take it all in and Cody grabs the camera and, you know, I wish I had filmed the emergence, but at that time we didn't know how long this whole thing mm-hmm. was going to last. So four minutes after I have footage of, you know, holding Bjorn in my arms and 
I, I attempt to shove my boob in his mouth. And I think he was still landing on earth because he didn't take it. And I made sure at that time that Cody kept track of the time. And so I ended up going into bed and Cody was like, you know, it's been 30 minutes. And I said, okay, I think I want to birth my placenta. I felt a little bit of cramping. And so I go up onto a tall kneeling position holding Bjorn and we put a little potty in between my legs. I do like the cough. And then I just do a little push and it pops right out. A potty's a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fits right between yeah. between the knees. And then I lay back down and I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And then an hour later, he latches on. Nice. And it was just such a beautiful feeling. We wanted to, I wanted to do a lotus birth. And I also had one of my neighbors make us a cord burning box in case you know the cord might have been cold and he didn't enjoy it but um he actually didn't mind his his cord cold cord on his body and I was just surprised at how fast the umbilical cord dries up yeah like so fast and so faster if it stays attached mm, yeah yeah when did it fall off so we kept changing out the salt Gotcha. And the herbs. And I wish we did it upstairs because after that, that night, I actually walked down the stairs. So I did quite a bit of walking every day. And yeah, I think in hindsight, I would have just wanted to just stay upstairs. But, you know, it's just that mentality of like, yeah, why not? I feel okay. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. So we kept changing out the salt. And so it was like day four. Bjorn's umbilical cord was like hanging by a thread. And I think he like grabbed it and like was tugging on it. And I think it was causing him discomfort. We're like, oh, like maybe we should just like cut it off. And so we asked him and, you know, we're like, Bjorn, would it be okay if we just cut your cord off now? And then he was kind of like, wah! And we're like, okay. He's like, yeah, we'll take that as a yes. And so Cody grabbed scissors and that didn't cut it off. He had to grab his wire cutters. Mm-hmm. That's how you know pl- or strong it was. And so we snipped it off. And um, yeah, the next day, Bjorn rolled onto his belly and the thing completely fell off. Yeah. But it's so beautiful at how the placenta looked. Mm-hmm. And we ended up drying it. And it ended up like, it looks like a, like a dried mochi. <laughs> And now we have it in like a Ziploc bag for Bjorn to look at when he gets a little older. So what was your first couple of days and weeks into postpartum like? How does your healing go? Like what, what is that initiation like for you? So postpartum, I, at that time, you know, my mom, well, all of our parents were like, you know, can we come as soon as the baby is born? And because I want to protect my forest field, I was like, no, like, give me 60 days. I'll think about it. So your, your partner was able to stay home, I'm assuming. So we both work remotely. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Thank God. So yeah. you had him to meet your needs. Oh, you could say that, but well, <laughs> I feel like, you know, we agreed that two weeks he was going to take off. And I was like, are you sure you can handle this? Like, it's a lot, it's going to be a lot of work. And I feel like, you know, women, women naturally are more nurturing. 
And he said he was able to handle that. We didn't prepare anything. We, we don't really have any, you know, close friends in town, you know, to like do a meal train. And I didn't prepare anything like that. I just thought, you know, we're just going to Instapot it. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I agree that women are naturally more nurturing. I guess like mm. if we were to do a spectrum of all the females and all the man males on the planet, mm-hmm. you know, like the arc would be towards women, but I do think it's factually true that women can handle multiple things at once. Yes, that is what I meant. <laughs> In a way that, you know, men are, their brains are very one task at a time, which absolutely has its, um, you know, place in the household. But women just, you know, they are like cooking while nursing, while texting yes. their friend, while listening to a podcast, while planning the next meal, while working a job. Yes. Know? Yeah. Anyway, he is your primary support. I mean, you don't yes. have other people, right? No. And so, you know, day three rolls around. And I know that you mentioned in, in the complete guide to free birth that that might be a day where I break down and cry. Mm-hmm. Well, it came on day six where I didn't eat for seven hours. I was so hungry. So Cody ended up actually deciding to take some sales calls within the two weeks, Uh, you know, and left you starving. Yes. So I was hangry and mad and sad. And I'm just crying because I was hungry and I was also missing my mom. I was wishing she was there to, you know, share like, to share these moments of my baby with me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that. And, and then at that same time, as I was crying, I felt guilty that I was crying because Bjorn's right here. Now he can feel my sad energy. That's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And that you like chose it. Like you chose, yep. your mom wanted to come and you said no. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And I was hoping that I would get, you know, nourishing foods, but Cody's limited on what he makes. And so it was just a lot of just hamburger meat and salad. And yeah, I, I must say it, it was hard. And I, I wish that I did have the postpartum support. Yeah. I actually ended up having my mom-in-law come sooner than I wanted, you know, at that time. So she came two weeks later and I was thinking, oh, like, this is going to be great. Like, she's going to know how to take care of me. But actually it was like quite a big regret. Mm. Yeah. And I felt like she was tiptoeing around. I I felt like I had to ask her to do stuff for me. And I, that's just awkward. And totally. And why her and not your mom? So my mom was still in Thailand at the time and, you know, she had just kind of gotten there a month ago and I kind of just wanted her to, you know, make the best of it, not like rush to come here and shorten her trip. So, yeah. And Where does she live? She does. She lives uh, part-time Bangkok, part-time LA. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So with mother-in-law, yeah. I mean, you just don't have the same comfort of just. Exactly. Totally. And it just got really awkward with like her negativity and her own, you know, maiden wounds. Yeah. And I felt like even at that time, at that time, I really, you know, I'm exclusively breastfeeding. And so Bjorn's always with me. And it was a lot of like, 
well, I just want a picture with Bjorn. Like, can I just hold him? You know, do you want me to hold him? I'm like, no, like, and it's just weird stuff happening. Yeah. So I think that was a regret. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I try to open up my heart to, to let her come over. But yeah, I just, at, I never really understood postpartum until being pregnant and experiencing it and feeling how important it is. Of course. It, I do think it's one of those things that, you know, shy of, you know, if you, if you have been with a hundred women in their first two weeks of postpartum, okay, then you do, you do have a sense of what it's like, you know, but uh, shy of that, I think the vast majority of women are just like brutally initiated, you know, because yeah. how you don't know who the hell you are until you go through that. I mean, because who you are is getting reestablished, the vulnerability, the sensitivity, even the hunger and thirst are so weird. I mean, just all of it is just so the relationship to the baby, sometimes the very dark thoughts, the expansion. Yeah. Why why would anyone know, you know, no one talks about it. It's weird. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot revealed during postpartum. So was it hard on your relationship? (sighs) I would say there were moments where it was definitely hard where I kind of, you know, questioned everything, <laughs> like even myself and my sexuality. Another fucking salad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I even questioned my, my, myself and, and, you know, how, how attractive am I now? And now I'm a mom and I'm not the maiden I was. And I felt like I aged overnight and it was so much acceptance, mm-hmm. acceptance of, of my body and my identity now where I'm at and a lot of uh, letting go. Who are you now? Four months postpartum. I feel like it's been such a gift because it's now shifted my consciousness towards loving others more, loving moms more, loving women more. And and there's something about the connectivity that I found in the RBK school. And if it wasn't, you know, for me being pregnant, I would have felt isolated. Even who I, who I am being not like not being pregnant, not having a baby. I felt isolated from friends and family in terms of, you know, views and values and beliefs. So being able to give birth and be pregnant has, has brought me to come to this point now with a bunch of sisters that I love so much. And now perhaps I'm more respected from my sister and my mom, maybe, I don't know that, you know, that things are okay, that I can discern, you know, what I want to do. And I've just come out of this more I mean it was such a powerful experience and I feel like I'm the protector of my baby as much as I can control right there's going to be moments where there's things I can't control but being able to protect him as best as I can and setting him up for success based Mm -hmm. on your value system right which is like the right of the mother yeah well I love your birth story I love just like it's so simple and it's so epic at the same time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Emily. 
And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start. Conscious consent.